0: There we come
1: blue and white and we're looking good You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty really good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Carlisle United, the team that's on the ball. Where do you start with that? Eh? What did we say? Six points is uh, the bare minimum we need from that, and we come out with, with nothing. <laughs> I
0: would I would have been very disappointed with three points. So, uh, you know,
1: just an absolute <laughs> show. <wasn't it? laughs> That's the way to describe it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, your regular dose of Carl United chat and crack. Um, I'm your host Lee Rooney, and today I'm joined by Mike Booth, one of my uh, co-hosts. Mike, how's it going, mate?
0: To be honest, I want to jump off a bridge.
1: <laughs> wow, that that good is it? <laughs> <laughs> and how do you feel about how Carlisle played? <laughs> <There you go. laughs> but no, yeah. So uh, from James Barrett to Frank Barton and Riccardo Gabbiadini to Tony Gallimore, we've got it covered. Uh, today's episode is just basically a post mortem of the games against Alderman and Colchester. Look ahead to the uh, upcoming games. Once again, we've got a chat with an opposition podcast as well. And as usual, we've got to look at what ex-Unite players have been getting, getting up to. Uh, there's no news today because there basically is no news to report. So we've got a little quiz as well that will uh, tell you the uh, question at the start show and come to the answers at the end. Um, can you tell what the link is with those players, Mike?
0: Have they all played for Carlisle and Grimsby?
1: Correct. Absolutely right. Of course, probably the, the best known of those in terms of playing for both would probably be Tony Gellimore, I think. I'd say all those three. I don't think uh, Riccardo Gabiadini's is that well liked or remembered (laughs) of his time at Carla, but Mm. there you go. Right, so let's get straight into it. So before we start the uh, match review stuff, uh, the quick quiz. So here you go, Mike. So the question is, since 1990, 13 players have scored hat-tricks in competitive first-team fixtures for Carl United. Can you name them? So I'm going to come back to that at the end of the uh, show, Mike, give you a bit of time to think about it while we're yeah. recording. But uh, what we'll do is I'll give you a chance to answer a few and then basically give out all the, all the answers rather than have us about five minutes of us going, um, um and <laughs> stuff like that as we've had in previous ones. Because I know some people have said they're not that keen on the quiz section, but I've actually had a few people email asking where's it gone? You know, we really enjoyed that. You know, they shared it with their dads who maybe don't listen to podcasts, ask them the question. And they know some of the older names on there. So... So there you go. So we've um, we'll we'll come back to that at the end of the show. Uh, let's get into the match reviews then, Mike. Uh, I mean, Kyle United one, Oldham free and Colchester United two. County United one. Like I said before, on last week's show, we said that if we're realistically wanting promotion, we had to target six points from these two games. Yeah. To come out the other side with without even a point to show for it is pretty an appalling show all round, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I I don't exactly know what's gone wrong. It's not like we're sort of missing a key individual that we weren't missing before this little break. Uh, it just seems there's just no sort of cohesion up front. And obviously Alessandra's out the team and I don't think them two things are, are a coincidence really. But I mean, obviously Coyote got his goal against Oldham, but... For me, I think if he didn't have that throw-in in his locker, would would he be sort of starting necessarily?
1: I mean, the throw wasn't particularly effective against Colchester, no, was it? it I wasn't. think against Oldham it caused a few runs first half, but mm. we have sort of reined it back a little bit and not used it as much lately. But mm. despite that, we do do still use it a lot, and the effectiveness of it, I think, is starting to reduce a bit now. And I wonder if that is that we're not really being physical enough when the ball comes in, because they're not bad balls in and they get generally mm. to sort of, you know, the the, the, the six-yard box line, sort of the the, the touchline sort of version of that. But no one's there to flick it a lot of the time and the defender's getting to it quite easily mm. on mm. recent ones. It's, it's quite frustrating. Um, I mean, yeah, let's, I mean, let's sort of get straight into it. So once again, we're starting games pretty well, aren't we? But the, the drop off after about sixty minutes is just astonishing, mm. isn't it? What's going wrong there? It, I, it, it's hard to explain, isn't it? It's we faced up to two poor sides in the last two games. They're not good sides. Let, let, mm. Let's be, be, be brutally honest. Yeah. Colchester particularly were awful. They they gave the ball away so much, and we were we looked so confident and comfortable, and then we give away a stupid penalty. We'll get onto penalties in a minute, mm. but. What do you think's going wrong, Mike? What, what, where is this mental... Is it a mental block, maybe?
0: Well, one of the things that blew my mind in the Oldham game, I remember we were 1-0 up and I was watching their goalkeeper taking a, a goal kick and he was just taking a sweet time with it and I was thinking, if that's us... You know, we're 1-0 down. I, I want the keeper to show a bit of urgency, but I think that their game plan was to just sort of wait until about 60 minutes when our players are going to be knackered and then have a go at us, you know, and then and then bring out the intensity. And, yeah, we seem to make our first... For me, your first sub should be at the very latest 60 minutes. That That's pretty much every other manager in the league makes subs around 60 minutes, but Beach seems reluctant to when he makes subs... Beyond on the 70 minute mark and it's it's too late for them to really sort of get their feet into the game at, at that point really
1: yeah the subs one is an interesting point it's one that a lot of people are bringing up now in normal times i would have no real problem with maybe leaving your subs till late on a lot of the time but we've got a run coming up of what a game every basically two games every week for mm. i think another 10 weeks or so Maybe, even, maybe a little bit less. I can't remember exactly how many. But we've got a hell of a run coming up. Mm. You can't just wait for the players to get knackered. No. There's got to be a bit... For me, there's got to be something a bit more proactive there. There needs to be. Mm. Even if we're playing well and we're doing all right, make a change at half time, Keep it fresh in there. Mm. Make that change on the, just before the hour mark or something mm. like that. Don't wait for John Ballest to run himself into the ground. Mm.
0: Sub Is him it? then. As well, I mean, that Oldham game, it was so obvious that Guy was struggling. And yeah. and, and, I, and I get, you know, I mean, Lumsden was saying, you know, he's obviously said that he can carry on, but it's the manager's job to say... Yeah, take on, out his hands. You know, yeah, you know, you can't carry on. Um, you know, obviously we had Furman on the bench. Um, but, I mean, it's it must be quite insulting to Furman that he'd seemingly rather play... Uh, Callum Guy with one leg than Dean Furman with
1: two. Well, well Furman came in for the Colchester game, obviously, with Callum mm. guy's waiting on the arrival of his second child. Congratulations to him and his uh, mm. missus. Hopefully, we'll have some good news on that one soon. Um, I thought he did okay, but mm. he started to look a little bit ring rusty as the game went on. And you'd ask the question then is there an issue there that Beach needs to be using him in games a bit more to manage yeah. games towards the end? And well, he's well, if he's not. His last start was the was it the Bradford game, I think, in mm. last December. So, I mean, mm. you've got... To, even if you only use him for the last 10 minutes, mm. you know, just to manage the game, mm. at least he's, he's got a bit of rhythm there and he's playing games. As it is, he, mm. he's barely featured. So you can't, you know, expect him to come in and then play 90 minutes. There's every chance he's going to make a mistake like he did to give away the penalty.
0: But at the other side of the coin as well, I mean, there's players like Coyote who seemed, you know, he's talked about this little knee issue that he's got but it seems like to me like coyotes playing 90 minutes every single week and it doesn't matter what level football it is it can be the absolute elite premier league level or, or low down the leagues you can't just play players sort of for 90 minutes every single week and it it, it not take its toll on them a little bit especially a role like his he, he's a
1: very very mm. physical player he mm. we've seen the stats about how many aerial duels he's winning he's a vital mm. part of our team for that but there comes a point where you've, you've got to give him a break you've got to rest yeah, him maybe exactly. and I know the problem is at the moment he's, he's moved him into that central role, and fair play he's doing really well there and he, he's getting a few goals and he's looking a bit more threatening in terms of a goal threat but to the personal advantage of Coyote I think has actually probably been a bit of a detriment to the team in taking mm. Alessandro who maybe doesn't have as impressive stats goal wise although this season he is our second top scorer um, but But what he does in terms of linking play, and Coyote, what he did in terms of linking play and doing well on the right, we've lost that. Mm. Uh, It it comes to a point, does Alessandro have to come back and see? We'll probably discuss that in the preview section, I think, in terms Mm. of who should come
0: into the team. But
1: yeah, I, I wonder, do you think Coyote moving there, that has benefited him, but maybe not the team?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just looking now. He's got six goals in 25 games for a team that is generally been playing well this season and Mm. i I feel that's it's not very good is it really you you know i mean obviously alessandra has never been a goal scorer like you say he brings more to the team but i mean coyote is trying to not be a goal scorer as such he's trying to sort of maybe almost be a bit more like alessandra but he's not bringing as much to the team as alessandra and he's he's not really scoring a lot of goals either. You know, I can understand. I mean, you know, we said the other week, Charlie Wyke at Sunderland, he's scoring goals every week and he's he's set up one goal all season. You know, I can understand if he's not doing a lot for the team and he's just scoring goals, but it seems he's not doing a, a lot for the team and he's not really scoring very many goals either.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, I'll go back to it again. I mentioned this point before. Do you think it's more a mental thing than a physical thing? Because Beach does say, although know, all the stat show, you know, we're still running as much and doing stuff like that, but... Mm. Mentally, it seems to have drained them as much as well. And mm. is that an issue? I, th-
0: I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think, I mean, you know, well, you, you touch later on, don't you, that we've only once this season come back from a goal down. And... Well,
1: but, well, do you want me to come onto to the stats after after this bit then? Yeah, and I'll, 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 I'll share them. Yeah, go people, on. Yeah. So well, I'll, I'll come on to them now. So basically, mm. I, I picked out a few stats that really interested me after the game because I, I was thinking to myself, all our stats were so impressive first half of the season, but something just wasn't sitting right in my head. So when I was still fuming after the culture match, Mm. I went and had a look. So I think this has been pointed out on Twitter as well earlier today. We're recording on Wednesday. I wanted to get it out of our system nice and early. Um, This season, in terms of winning points from when you've been behind in a game, we've only managed it once. We've managed Mm. one point all season from a losing position. And that was, funny enough, against Grimsby away. And that goal was gifted to us. The keeper... (laughs) actually passed the ball into the back of his net. That's like, yeah. you not know, like exaggerating, is it? Mm. So th- that shows, I mean, I think we're right down there in the bottom, I mean, in the actual stats, mm. I-, I think it's possibly, it's actually, yes, yeah, Scunthorpe and Southend are the only other two se- sides who've only managed one point all season. Salford, actually, mm. to be fair, have only managed two. Mm. But they've only been behind 10 times. And we've been behind 12 mm. times. And we've mm. managed one point. Mm. It's not good, that. No. <laughs> it, it shows... It suggests that the manager isn't quite capable of beating a team that maybe then set itself out right. We've got a lead. We're going to hold on to this now. Mm. He doesn't know how to break it down. He's not, yeah. I, I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems. I think leadership is an issue. I mean, yeah. don't 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 get me wrong. I think Nick Anderson, the past three four games, has been one of our better players I think you know I, I, yeah. I, I've been calling for Armour to have that left back squad but Anderton's actually been playing well but I don't think he's, he's the kind of captain that will uplift people and motivate them and sort of keep their head in the game a little bit like certain other captains that we've had at the club in, in years gone by yeah. um, you, you get but
1: different I, kind of captains though don't you because you get captains who yeah. uh, you know good representatives of the club and they do stuff on mm. the pitch which I'm, I, mean, I have no doubt Anderton is like that I think mm. Hayden's probably like that as well mm. But in terms of someone who will give players a rollicking, I,
0: I don't see that in either of them, do you? Like no. you said. Mm, yeah. ex- exactly. And it's something, you know, I'm I'm not... I don't want to sound like I'm going to go at him because it's, you know, there's no one else that I would say give the armband to so-and-so <laughs> and he'll motivate people in these sort of circumstances. I, I think it's just something that we lack throughout the team, yeah. really. Yeah. You know, um, and... It's something, I mean, like the 2005-2006 season, obviously, we had Kevin Gray, who is your absolute definition of a leader. Uh, But if if he wasn't there, uh, I mean, you know, we had the likes of uh, Peter Murphy. He was more of a sort of solid pro that players would follow his lead kind of thing. But he He had high
1: standards, he had high standards. Yeah, he'd let you know.
0: Exactly, yeah, and, and you know, just other other players like Chris Billy was a very experienced pro at the time. And, yeah, exactly. Even the year before, they liked Tom Cowan, Kevin Henderson, and um, we don't really have anything like that. No, it's, it's, you it's know. a fair
1: point that I agree. At a push, you'd maybe say Paul Farman, but I'm never keen on keepers being captains. It's, no, it's one of those no. weird ones, isn't it? You'd, mm-hmm. I'd rather have someone outfield who can do a little bit of organizing as well so it, it, it it's a tough one isn't it and I, I, I think it's a really good point the one you've raised there um let's talk about we're we're a very direct side this season we, we we've made no apologies about that we know we are we we get the ball forward quickly are we going a bit too direct at the moment because I, I remember watching on the game on tuesday night and my first thoughts was the amount of times Hayden or bennett were getting the ball and then they had time to maybe spray it out wide to Tanner or to Anderton mm. and they were going direct every time. And I just thought to myself, there's no need to do that. You can, you can build up as well. You can mix it up a little bit. They just didn't seem to be quite, it's almost like that lack of belief. It's the fact that we'd, mm. we've done so well, we've going along at times that we need to do it every time at the moment. It's frustrating.
0: Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's a case of the ball just, it's not sticking up there either, and yeah. when, we, when we play a long ball up, our three midfielders, it's, it's kind of their imperative, their absolute biggest thing is to win that second ball, so we'll play a long ball up, and our three midfielders are trying to win the second ball, but then the opposition win the first ball, and they knock it over our midfield... And then they're not in the space to get the second ball when it's in our half. So, like, we're just getting put under pressure straight away. And, you know, I think if you have a, a shot of uh, whiskey every time I say Alessandra today, you're gonna, <laughs> you, 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 might, you you might get over this week. But Alessandra makes the ball stick up there, you know. Yeah. And, and Coyote, it seems either he'll sort of get fouled or sort of give the ball away. Yeah. There, isn't, there isn't a lot of middle ground with him.
1: No, you're, I think you're right there. I think the other issues as well, The fact, not just obviously the fact that Alessandro's there not to hold it up, but in midfield, Guy was really good at keeping the ball as well and getting it moving. Mm. I think we've almost run him into the ground. He, he's looked exhausted. I think it's 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 been, I won't say it's a convenient excuse, but it's been good timing for us almost that he has had to take this small break away mm. from the team. But the problem is then, as we mentioned before, Furman is not match ready because he's not been mm. playing even like his five ten minutes at the end of games and that kind of thing. Exactly. That that's that's where we've got a problem. Um, so we've got one point from a possible eighteen now. When do you start asking questions about the manager? Um, we're not. This is not us saying, mm. you know, his job's on the line. He needs to be sacked. Whatever. But when do you get to the? We know he's got a bit in the bank, a bit of credit in the bank from the first half season. How well he's done yeah. there. But that can only last for so long. John mm. John Ward went, I think it was 10 games with just one point from that and one point from 30. We're not quite at that stage yet, but, you know, if we didn't win the next two games, any of them, mm. surely you'd ask a, start to ask questions then about, is this the manager who's keep, capable of getting us out of a slump?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it, it kind of comes down to what were our expectations before the season. I mean, I know that, you know, say if people's expectations were mid-table. And I think when we all did the season preview, we all sort of predicted playoffs, but that was kind of with our optimistic fan hats on a little bit. Um, But if, you know, the board were kind of only expecting mid-table and ultimately we we finished mid-table despite kind of relegation form, that's maybe not a terrible season from the board's point of view. But, I mean, from our point of view, I mean, if I hadn't seen us play you know, before the break. If I'd only the only Carlisle games I'd seen this season were after the break. I'd just think that we're just awful this season. And I think that's what's that's what hurts more is that we know that this team is better than this. You know, and obviously Beach has had us playing very well before and he can do it again. But you know, time is of the essence and we we need to really start it sooner rather than later.
1: We've got to keep ourselves in contact with that playoff
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's
1: still not totally over. We, no. Still, we st- we're talking here as if the season's dead and buried. Well, we're not talking about it. A lot of people are talking about like the season's dead and buried. It's not. There still is a chance. We can still get there. But we need to start getting wins as yeah. soon as possible. I
0: mean, I, I mean, the thing is, we're going to have far more difficult opposition than Colchester and Oldham, aren't we? That's the thing. And it's if we're struggling against the likes of Colchester and Oldham, which no disrespect to them, but... Any team chasing promotion has to be beating those sorts of teams. And And our record um, against teams at the top is not great this season either. No, it's not. No. That's a big worry.
1: I I want to point out this tweet that came from um, Paduk Winger over the last few, uh, I think last night. I think it it might have been during the game actually last night. I thought this was a really good assessment actually, and he's he's well worth a follow on uh, Twitter if if you're on there. Um, He said. Beach is an excellent coach. His success early season was based on a direct, well-drilled game plan and excellent conditioning. But his game management is terrible and it'll cost mm. him a playoff berth this year. It's mean, maybe a little bit harsh, but I think that's probably sums it up quite well. The problem is, he's very good at putting a team together and get, when you get into leads, he's comfortable with us doing fairly well then. The problem mm. comes is, when we go behind in a game... He can't. He can't manage the game when we concede. Sometimes mm. we seem to panic a little bit. That that's where the big problem is. And he's still learning as a manager. Let's let's be fair. It's his first job mm. as the main man. But he'll have to learn quickly if he wants to get us into the playoffs this season. At least, yeah. I think but- realistically, we we've, we've got to target top seven rather than top three at the moment. If top three comes, mm. great. But target mm. the top seven. That's the key thing.
0: Yeah, but I think I mean you had question marks over his subs even when we were doing well. You know, and you say he's learning. I understand that, but it doesn't seem like he is learning with the subs particularly. Like, Does,
1: does he does he rely a bit too much on st- statistics and, and analysis? And uh, you know what? Uh, analytics and stuff like that is a vital part of the game and it does really help mm. the team. But every now and then as a manager, you need to, I think you need to switch your head off from that and go, on oh, my instinct, what should I do here? Not rather, oh, look, John Mellish is you know, running stats are still really high or well, you know, gimme two arrays, you know, get into the byline putting crosses and whatever and stuff like that. You need to look at it and think to myself, what can I do here that would might change the game?
0: What that I spark. His, I think his issue is is he depends too much on plan A. And when yeah. plan A isn't working, he thinks, oh, maybe a little bit more plan A might be the solution, you know, and mm. he, he doesn't seem to have much of a plan B. I think we said last week that we've never seen him stick a centre-half up front or, you know, go, go three at the back or anything near the end of a game. He just He, he just does like-for-like like subs and keeps it very much the same but different. Yeah.
1: I'd i like to see him go free at the back in a game and I think Anderton would actually do quite well as the third centre-back or even bring mm. McDonald in and I know he had that it wasn't great when he came against Trammear but it, you know he was a decent enough player first half of the season mm. I'd like to see Dickinson playing at left wing back because I think I think Dickinson looks better coming from deep we'll touch on him in a minute actually because mm. I've got him down as one of the positives really from this but quickly I'll just go through some of the other stats that I'd picked out so some other interesting ones I've got here so shot conversion rate so in terms of number of shots we've had this season in games in league games, we've had six hundred and four, which is second highest behind Newport. We've had six hundred and five, one more mm. shot, but they've played more games. Mm. We've scored thirty-eight goals from that, which means we've got a conversion ratio of six point five percent. That's the fifth worst in the division. Mm. So it's okay saying we've had lots of shots, but we're not really converting them. I think we're quite high in terms of the number we've had on target as well. Mm. But it's okay saying I'm on target with the straight at the keeper and all the, the, you know, dribblers from Twenty yards straight at the keeper. It makes no difference, does it? So that that's a yeah. little bit of worry. We're not we're, we're quite wasteful, and I think it's um, I think Tashkent Tim Graham, uh, on Twitter has also pointed out the fact that away from home we're just not scoring goals in attack, especially the attackers. I think mm. only Patrick's got two and Coyote's got one away from home. Yeah, that's well, not good.
0: Well, I- no, although I think uh, George Tanner said that they're basically they're told to kind of hit, hit the ball low, hit it hard, and kind of, you know, if you get it on target, things can stem off that. And I think that's sort of one of the key principles of the way that we sort of play football. I mean, you know, I think the Colchester game was the first game that I can safely say we had the better chances, yeah. you know, than Colchester. But you know, I mean. Their goals, all right. One's a penalty, and we'll talk about penalties in a bit. Uh, but their second, that yeah, I'd, I'd like to see the expected goals figure for that because that was just a screamer from outside the box. That you know, it, it wasn't like we gifted them an absolute sitter of an opportunity. But you know, D- Dickinson had a couple of very good chances. Uh, obviously, Riley hit the post. Um, you know, and uh, Shemal George I, had a decent Shemal, game for them. Shemal George had, had a good game as well. Yeah, but yeah. at the end of the day the only stat that matters is who scores more goals and it wasn't yeah. us. And Yes, Stephen Presley would sort of make these excuses every week and there's only so long that you can come up with these excuses and not be getting the results.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, you're right there. A um, couple more quick stats I've picked out here. Interesting one on this. We've not scored a single goal in injury time at the end of a game this season. Incredible. That. We've scored the right. most goals yeah. in the opening 15 minutes of games in the whole division. We've scored mm. 10. Mm. but we the stats show we have a real drop off after 60 minutes I think we've only scored 8 goals mm. after the 60 minute mm. mark this season we just mm. we just don't have it's strange because at the start of the season I felt we had intensity for the whole game but we weren't clearly we were not still mm. not scoring the goals or maybe we're just not doing that now mm. um, and a couple more ones obviously the fact that we've only managed to score 2 goals in a game once since coming back from the coronavirus break so that's from the exit to game at the end of January. Um, and also, we're only, one of only four teams not to be involved in a nil this season alongside Barrow, Scunthorpe, and of course, Morecambe. So I think we know what's going to happen mm. at the weekend there. Then. <laughs> Probably now I've said that. Um, mm. Finally, mate, just before we get into some of the positives, because we should we should say some positives. We, we shouldn't be entirely mm. negative. Um, talk about penalties. i have put the stat in there as well. We've conceded four penalties in the last six games. Mm. I think, I can only think mm. of in the first half of the season, the Port Vale game, I think, where we conceded a penalty. I'm sure we conceded yeah. one of a possibly, but next to none in the first half of the season in their last six games, we've just gone crazy for them.
0: Yeah, it's it's bizarre. And at the end of the day, you're never going to concede a penalty if the other team aren't causing issues in and around your penalty area, you know, and that's, that's what's happening. I, th- I think that's the big difference. You know, b- before this break, Farman was sometimes having games where he wasn't facing a single shot. And now, you know, it's completely different. But I mean for me, if if we're talking about individual players, I think the past few games Mellish has been kind of his usual combative self. He's you know, he's put himself about a bit, but the two players that I would say have sort of dropped off a little bit are Hayden and um Bennett. Yeah. To be completely agree, yeah. Sorry. I think they may be yeah. They maybe set the standard a little bit too high, you know, and, and they're sort of now victims of that, but they don't look the same players as, as they were before the break. I
1: mean, we'll get onto it in the preview bit, and we'll talk maybe about whether there needs to be a change in defence possibly. But but yeah, you've touched on there, Mellish, so we'll move on to the positives. I picked him out as one of the positives. Good to see him back on the score sheet. And actually, in the last couple of games, I don't think he's played that badly. I think he's been all right. And mm. I think sometimes... I think sometimes when I listen to the commentary that James was doing for the Alden game, I think he looks at him at, sometimes at the same standard of Guy and Riley. And he's not no. as good a player as Guy and Riley in terms of the technical no. side of it. But actually, I think he was trying to force the issue sometimes and play the ball forward. And sometimes he does overhit those passes. I think he'll learn mm. that with time. Mm. But actually, I think he started to look more like the same player. He's getting into the box and getting all the chances and... He, from what we could see, because <laughs> it was a mm-hmm. bit foggy still, he, he seemed to take his chance pretty well against yeah. Colchester. And he looked a threat in, ter- in terms of the opposition box. So it's nice to see him start picking up a bit of form. One that people picked out and didn't seem to think he's doing that well, but I think he did all right, is Brennan Dickinson. I think he looks encouraging against Colchester, against obviously one of his former teams. But one thing he's offered us is a player who will actually have a shot from distance and
0: actually can hit the ball from distance. Yeah, I mean, he he was getting in some good areas as well, wasn't he? And he he was getting good chances. And I feel he's maybe one of them, isn't he? Where once he gets his goal, he'll he'll be flying. Um, But yeah, it's one of them. He he maybe could have had a goal though, couldn't he? And yeah, you you know. But yeah, it's it's good that we've got these sorts of options. um, You know, and it 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 gives the manager something to to think about. But um, for me, I wouldn't say that he. Did anything to sort of give him the right to say to Beach, yeah, I should be starting every week.
1: No, probably not. But I think it, it, he's shown that he offers something different at the very least. Because, yeah, like I said, it's the one thing that frustrates me this season is the fact that we don't seem to have anyone who can really hit a ball from distance, which we've had in mm. previous seasons. And yeah, like we see, Nathan Thomas was always capable of doing that, wasn't he? And I think. Mm. Beach kind of sees Dickinson in a similar sort of mould to him, but obviously mm. without the, the record to back it up in terms of goals compared mm. against what Thomas had. Um, quickly, before we come to the end of part one, I've got to mention this. It's driving me mad. Free kicks. Why mm. are we laying them off? It, honest to God, those free kicks are driving mm. me absolutely crazy. I don't <laughs> know what you think about it, but we don't need to lay it off. Just just mm. hit the ball. Mm. Dickinson's clearly a good striker of the ball. I think Riley's a pretty decent striker of the ball as well. Just mm. have a go. It, it doesn't the only time it's worked the season was against—I can't remember—it was against the one where um, Anderton scored uh, mm. with a long ranger, But I mean, the keeper absolutely asked that up. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's one of those ones. Really, really frustrating. I think, and sort of, I'll just start just start hitting the bloody thing.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's the saying. thing. With, that's the thing with Dickinson as well. Is when guys out the team, you do need someone to be able to take set pieces and. Asides from Dickinson and Guy, I'm not sure who really has one in the locker.
1: No, it's true, but you know, th- th- what I'd say as well actually was Dickinson's corners were pretty good as well. I mean, mm. they made a decent impact because Guy's corners, I know he set Coyote's goal up against all of them, but they were, they were pretty awful, mm. most of them. And then you go and watch Nicky Adams, who barely took any corners, but all of them but then he takes one This they score straight from it so mm. <laughs> just goes to show you doesn't it
0: well it was uh, a nicky Ad- it was a nicky adams cross that led to the bennett handball which led to the penalty as well it did as well so, I mean, just it, just it,
1: good, good quality balls into the box wasn't it that's that's yeah. the thing he offers you and it's interesting bambula scored that wonder goal for them didn't he he got into yeah. like in the d3 d4 team of the week mm. but i honestly thought he was pretty awful for them <laughs> i thought mm. he did nothing bar the goal mm but there mm. you go switch well, on for one minute
0: we could do with someone like that right now to be yeah. honest
1: it's the thing with Jimmy I think he's playing well but we saw his highlight reel he can do that he can, mm. he can do that he's done it for Hartlepool and for mm. Sutton and Macclesfield. Mm. and whatnot he's capable of doing it but for some reason we're just not getting him into those areas at the moment yeah. it's, mm. it's really quite frustrating but there you go ok I think that's enough of a uh, ranting for part one Mike we'll hopefully try and be a bit more positive in part two when we do the previews so we'll be we we'll be back shortly uh, to look ahead to those games against Morecambe and Grimsby back in just a sec
2: hi this is George Tanner you are listening to the Brunton Bugle
1: okay we're back for part two now so we're going to look ahead to the games against Morecambe and Grimsby first up what we've got for you is another one of these little chats we're having with opposition podcasts in the second half of the season I think uh, the older one went down really well and um, Typically, his prediction turned out to be complete nonsense and all them were comfortable winners at the end of that game. Um, so we're looking ahead now. We're going to have a chat with Alex from the DN35 Grimsby Town podcast. had a good chat with him um, about the game and uh, we'll play that now. Okay, so I'm joined today by Alex from the DN35 Grimsby Town podcast. Uh, we're going to have a little chat ahead of uh, the game next midweek. Alex, thanks for joining me today. Really appreciate it.
2: Good afternoon, Lee. No problem at all.
1: Yeah, um, let's just talk about your season so far, because let's just get straight into it. Because it's, uh, I think we're on a bad run right now, but it it's sort of pales in comparison to what's happening with uh, with your lads at the moment, doesn't it?
2: It's it's fi- We're fine. We're fine. Nothing <laughs> is wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, look, we're getting used to it. Um, You used to be, I guess you would see uh, Carlisle as the perennial strugglers of the 90s. I think we've taken that mantle well and truly off your hands. Um, What you'll find is you'll find town fans that are really, especially after last yesterday afternoon, I know you guys are recording it today on the Wednesday. Like, I know know what the date is, but I'm just saying the Wednesday. (laughs) Um, we we lost last night to, to Leighton Orient and we lost against Harrogate on Saturday and that was really kind of defining. The, the team was improving after um, Old Runaway uh, took his magic beans and left for whatever mainstream media was suckling on him at the time. Uh, and um, we were left with... Um, I think Paul Hurst is a very good manager, especially at this level. I don't think there's many mm. managers that work harder and are better at picking out players. I just think... You can't really do much in a January transfer window, uh, when you're rock bottom almost. It's not a proposition for anybody. No. Um but um we are we are in the mud. The the we can't we can't click, we're not we're not we're defensively we're terrifying and up up front we're as useful as an under nines uh team who haven't won for two years. Um there's there are so many issues. And you get to a point where you get sort of, um, ingrained into it. And I got to a point yesterday where we strung about five passes together and I was almost drooling going, look, that's brilliant. Look what we've done here. And then, um, and then it just goes back to mediocrity and it's just, we started with one up front and we need to win games and, uh. We 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 can't score for love, no money. <laughs>
1: Help. No, it, it doesn't seem to be going great for you guys. I know we're on a small, it's all getting slightly bigger, poor run ourselves. But we'll talk about your off the field issues uh, shortly. But on the field, I mean, at the start of the season, we did a preview podcast. And I think we all sort of agreed that while your squad didn't look the strongest, we felt you had a good quality manager in Holloway. Now, obviously, there's <laughs> some baggage that comes with Holloway. It's fair to say. Um, what went wrong there? It, it, it seemed like one of those ones where everyone was like, sort of eyes wide open when he got a point. Like, wow, that that's a, a really good appointment for Grimsby, but it just didn't seem to work.
2: Yeah, there's quite a lot of. Um... Um, slanderous stuff that goes on when it comes to Holloway, which I won't repeat on here. Uh, but he's joining us, raised a few eyebrows, ours is included. Um, but um, there may be reasons for that. Um, but when he came in, he was doing really well. He brought in some good players very quickly. We had a nice little run, and I think when we're one of these clubs that whatever momentum we've got, we 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 go heavy with it, whether we're losing constantly or winning constantly. There's no ever. There's no easy middle ground for us. Uh, I think if I'm being entirely honest, he probably had that sort of January to to March. I thought, actually, this is easier than I thought it was. And we'll, we'll go up at a canter. It's obviously something that I've got that I'm pretty good at. And he took it for granted. Uh, Our preseason was appalling. We had played one game. It was against Cleethorpe's town who are our local, (laughs) local team about what step seven, step eight. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And um, they, um, we just didn't do anything else we, we were the only club that i think put a covid clause in so even now players are getting played only 75 percent of their wages until the fans <laughs> oh. getting back into the ground um it means that, i mean you know what it's like to, to try, at least you've got some nice medieval architecture to uh, <laughs> sort of attract players with which i'm sure what young players are looking for oh yeah but you know how hard it is to attract anyone to the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and um, when we then also tell them that they're not getting paid their full wages, it's, uh, it's not a great idea. Um, so we ended up with seven lone players, um, much of a muchness, lots of recommendations from Holloway's mates who were no good. He didn't do any scouting, um, was too busy playing darts with players. And- yeah,
1: I remember that story. I couldn't, couldn't believe that one I heard. That one It's incredible. Do you
2: want to know that it was even in front of an EFL official that was down at the ground for the day? My That's how ludicrous it was. <laughs> the guy, if you ever see him coming towards your club, run away with a ma- and and throw that sn- snake oil salesman mm. into the grass because he's, he's good for a soundbite and nothing more. Millwall fans warned us, they did, and we were too busy glowing and going, oh, he's so fun, isn't he? uh but um it was it's pretty sad we're we're just a mess and then paul hurst has come in i don't think any other club has used more
1: players than we have we've got 36 players in your squad but i was just looking before that's incredible
2: yeah Yeah, and that include that doesn't include the um the six lone players that we've sent back um uh, and uh it has been an absolute nightmare for us we've got um perennial walking wounded like james hansen and sean scannell and um, all these other random names, no one else cares about unless you're a town player, and we won't care about either. Come the end of the season, because they'll all be out in a in a barrow outside the front of the ground. If anybody wants to buy one, um, we'll we'll have them out on a little carpet where you can sort of select what you want, like a car boot sale.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it just it just seems to have been a bit of a mess on the field, but off the pitch as well. There seems to have been a few issues there as well, hasn't there? And there was obviously a lot of talk about when Holloway left that that was one of the problems there but it it doesn't seem to be resolving itself I know for quite a few years you've been trying to build a new ground haven't you as well
2: yeah it's we're kind of hemmed in because we're a club on the coast and kind of the geography of Grimsby means that the coast kind of like sort of curves around the town so we kind of only got around two-thirds of a, a land mass to build on so we're kind of restricted as it is um, and one side of that is like an area of outstanding national beauty and an RSPB sort of wildlife thing. So you kind of get a small part of the town to be able to grow. Um, if in all honesty, the the club's been a mess for 16 years. Ever since John Fenty and the board came on, it's been a death by a thousand paper cuts. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to besmirch anyone's political persu- per- persuasions, but he is a conservative councillor, and um, it's a death by a thousand cuts at our club. <laughs> if you can save a penny, he will do uh take for example charles vernon anyone who remembers him last season scored that wonder goal against colchester where he took it past everybody yeah I remember that yeah he was fine fettle he had an option for an additional year we sold him uh we didn't even sell him sorry he came in he wanted an extra 50 quid a, a week apparently they said no you can have an extra 100 quid uh 100 quid less a week uh, and so he went to burton free of charge and that's all the way through it, that's exactly how this club is run. And for about a year, we've got a consortium in the background trying to buy the club. Now, Holloway helped him sort of stave it off for the current board by saying that, look, I'm not going to manage here uh, if these new guys come in. I don't want them. I love these new guys. And that, that raised quite a few eyebrows with fans because they're the only the only board that have ever taken us non-league and left us down here. Um, and um, it kind of helped when Holloway left. One of the things he said was, I'm going because they're, they're selling up. I was like, Brilliant. Holloway's gone. Don't care. And we're getting rid of these guys. It's just taken a lot, lot longer than we'd have hoped. So they came to sort of December time where our current board put out an, an, a statement at five minutes past midnight on Christmas Eve to say, "You've got as well. two days. Yeah, <laughs> you've got two days to to sell to sell or not." And they are getting an absolute that they are getting away with it. They've got um, the from what we can tell. The, the current shareholder is getting all of his shares back. That's about £900,000. On top of that, he's getting his debts repaid of £1.5 million. And let's be honest, his debts are there to pay off the mistakes he's made uh, by panicking and making no plans and then having to put money in to make sure we don't go under or don't do whatever. Um, so... Though we're bottom of the table, there's quite a lot of fans, including me, going, I'm quite looking forward to the future. This is going to be quite good. It's just, we just hope it's in this league, but it doesn't feel like it will be because we are, we are not turning this uh, franchise around.
1: <laughs> no. Um, return of Paul Hurst manager. Pleased about the one, I'm guessing, because I know he's had a, a couple of jobs since Shrewsbury, where it hasn't quite worked out for him, but you must have good memories from his first spell.
2: Yeah, he, he's... He was, a default, he was quite divisive by the end of it because he'd been here for seven years and you're always going to pick up baggage and there's going to be bits in which there are certain aspects that may break the straw that breaks a camel's back sort of thing with fans. Uh, but he's very... I don't think there's many other managers who can pick a player like he has. If you look at the players, he's been able to sort of source from non-league and lower league. It's pretty incredible. Um, he's quite um, straightforward. All the reports are is that he works his arse off along with Chris Doig, his assistant. And um, he did wonders at Shrewsbury. I think Ipswich are a, a, an underrated basket case club. Yeah, I'd agree um, with that. <laughs> and and are as well. They're sort of 10 million in debt. And when he got there, I think he was hoping to to have loads of cash thrown at him and be ready to go because their owner was, uh, was, was quite useful for that. But um, I think it changed halfway through. And so they kind of cut, they had to start cutting their cloth and... I, I don't know, but I'm slightly worried now because we're not exactly winning many since he came in. But um, I don't really think I can blame him. He's only got a certain amount of time to, to do anything with this lot.
1: I, I know you've already sort of been fairly disparaging about the quality of your squad, but is there any danger men in there that we should be looking out for?
2: Um, well, the goalkeeper that we, ha- we had, who I love, by the way, I love James McEwan. If he ever listens to this, I'm really sorry, but he did kick it into his own net this year. Um, he does, was wasn't quite- it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, uh, so, but um, Danger Men, uh, Metete, who is on loan to us from Fleetwood, is really lively and really interesting in the middle of the park. He is uh, that one level of quality above. I- I'm hoping to see a different sort of formation. We've been starting with one up front, and when we're needing to win games, it's um, it's not a great way of doing it. But two up front, Lenel John Lewis, um, hopefully, I mean, he's come from Hereford, but because he's been a town player before... Um, he's been very well loved and appreciated here so he really gets it and when he comes on he came on in the last two games with about 20 minutes to go his energy commitment was was on another level to everybody else on the pitch I'd like to think that he might start James Hansen's always a danger but he hasn't been a danger in front of goal for a season um, if he can get through the game without sort of accidentally walking into a, a, a sort of a, a lace an unlaced boot and tripping over and breaking his leg or something he might even get one Um the, the But our defence is, terrif- uh, is terrifying for us. You'll have a lot of fun. Um, we, <laughs> we on the other hand, will be hiding behind, behind a so for like a Doctor Who episode.
1: You say you will be having a lot of fun. I'm not so sure about that on the way we're playing. <laughs> oh. I, was, I was looking at this, though. We've only one time this season we've managed to come from behind in a game to get a, a point, a single point. And you know when that was?
2: <laughs> was, it, was it
1: by us but he was against you guys yeah it's the only time we've managed to get a point when we've been behind in a game so there you go I mean at the moment if you if you take the lead against us you're probably going to win the game the way we're playing so uh, typical I mean I'll ask you pre- your predictions for the game <laughs> you don't sound the most I mean we had the olden guy on uh, last week and he wasn't particularly positive and they went and won 3-1 so uh, maybe the best way is to be negative and <laughs> it'll turn out the way what, what, what do you reckon for the game
2: can we both lose I think it'll probably be, um, I think we'll probably win. Uh, no, I won't. I think it'll be a nil-nil. I'd be be happy with that. If we can keep it from outside of our own goal, I'd be delighted. I'm going with a boring nil-nil draw uh, that I'd be very happy with.
1: Alex, thanks for joining us. I'd, genuinely all the best for the rest of the season after this game and you know I think there's, there's plenty of Carlisle fans out there we would be hoping you can you can overhaul Barrow um, I'm not too fussed with them either way but some of our fans just don't, really don't like them <laughs> so there you go thank you very much cheers okay thanks again to Alex for that chat really, really good to catch up with him about all things Grimsby Town incredible Mike isn't it you know they're struggling at the bottom and they've been absolutely awful this season but he seems to think the future's quite bright for them because of the takeover that's happening there
0: yeah, it's weird. I mean, he, he said that the current owners have been there for about 15 years. Uh, and I remember, well, its 15 years ago this year, the 5 06, uh season, when Wickham were top, Grimsby were second. And I think we would have just been happy to go up as third. <laughs> you know, because they, they were both really good teams that year. And yeah, Grimsby just sort of, they tailed off then and they just sort of they haven't really recovered from it, have they?
1: No, obviously they went down to the conference. I think they spent mm. five seasons down there and then mm. got themselves back up. But they've just they've been treading water at best since then, I think it's mm. fair to say. And obviously they've got the issue with the ground that they need to sort. <laughs> Sounds very familiar, doesn't it, really? You know, mm. a ageing ground that's not making them any money. And they need to <laughs> move to somewhere new. And it's a, there's not many options. Mm. Funny that, isn't it? Uh, okay, so let's look ahead to the games then, Mike. Um, first up, we've obviously got the, the Morecambe game this weekend. I mean... Start of the season, you you look at this thing. Oh, Morecambe, we never lose there. Should be comfortable mm. points at least, probably three points. But at the moment, going to this one, I'm I'm not really looking forward to it because they're really banging form, and us oof, just can't see where the win's going to come for this one.
0: No, I mean it's kind of it's no massive surprise when you when you see some of the players that they've got. I mean, how they managed to get Ben Pringle, I don't know because he's. A, a cracking sort of uh, little playmaker, isn't he? And uh, some of the other players, though, the likes of Cole Stockton, <laughs> you think, oh, it's a bit of a, a mixed bag. But yeah. you no, know, they, they they seem to be doing really well. And I just, I, I normally look forward to playing Morecambe, and this is the first time in a long, long time that that I'm not.
1: Yeah, I think with Ben Pringle, he's a real crisp passer of the ball, isn't he? Mm. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. See, it's that's a great thing because I've got control of them. I I can play the drum thing rather than the tumbleweed. So there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, looking at the form table, the the you know last six games they're tenth in the form table. With uh they've they've won three, uh, drawn one, and lost two, but they've in the last four games basically it's one one lost one. Um, yeah, they're in fifth place on 52 points. So, you know, they're starting to pull away from us a little bit, that nine-point lead, mm. um, although they've played three games more. Interestingly, their goal difference is only plus one. So, you know, that that's probably what's going to, you know, put them in a little bit of danger potentially at the end of the season, mm. maybe. Um, when you actually look, they've got the worst defence in the top half. So we should be able to score, surely. Mm. Problem is that they've also got one of the better attacks in the top mm. half as well, mm. so real challenge there. I mean, would you say that Derek Adams has really overachieved with them this season, Mike? Because I mean, the, the job he's done since going in there, because they're a club that always perennially sort of just about treading water above the relegation zone and keeping themselves safe every season. The job mm. he's done has been absolutely incredible, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's weird because when they lost. Uh... What's his name? The Scouse fella, Jim Bentley. Um, yeah. You know, people thought, oh, you know, it's uh, they might struggle without him, but they seem to have just gone from strength to strength. And you know, compared to some of the other teams in this league, and obviously, you know, <laughs> other teams have much bigger gates in normal circumstances, and obviously, mm. no one's really having any gates now. But that might actually be one of the things that's working in their favour this year, and in you know. We're sort of it's leveled out the playing field a little bit for teams teams like them and um that they've recruited quite well and and at the end of the day no one is in the position that they that they're in by fluke you know that that they've done well well enough to be there and uh, but the the they have sort of you know they knocked around the playoffs a couple of times under under Bentley. you know they mm. they've always sort of been there's some sort of small club shall we say who don't want to upset the apple cart and they're just quite happy to be in the league mm. but they, they've, they've always sort of had a little bit of a, no you know we want to sort of take the game to teams sometimes about them you know
1: a Big thing for them as well is I think from previous seasons where United have lost key players they've had on loan and it's seen the season just fall apart as a result mm. they lost I think it's Adam Phillips isn't it who was on loan from Burnley Burnley yeah. recalled him to send into to Accrington in League 1 to get mm. experience at a higher level which when you saw that you thought well, that might you know be a bit of a derailer for their season Mm. but it's had pretty much no effect at all that they've they're still up there Mm. in the in the playoffs and pushing just outside the automatics as well that's Mm. a real testament to the the the, the squad they've got because they've got a really tight small squad we'll get onto Grimsby at the moment Grimsby's squad's enormous it's absolutely huge whereas Morecambe always keep it really tight and you know a a close-knit squad and that is making the difference you you touch on Cole Stockton there Mike I mean the form he's in this season, the way he's re- rediscovered his form, along with John O'Sullivan, of course, who's mm. he's there as well, another X-Blue, they're really reinvigorating their careers, aren't
0: they? Yeah, definitely. And Stephen Hendry as well, you know, he... Oh, um,
1: don't, don't don't even dare make
0: the joke. I, I honestly don't know the joke. I'm quite disappointed in myself. Go on, I'll, I'll let you ta- uh, take the stage. Yeah, they, 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 they,
1: Dan did it in pre-season. Something to do with, you know, he's a... Uh, Something to do with breaks and things like that. But let's not repeat (laughs) it anyway. But go on.
0: (laughs) Well, no, like, you know, he's a player that he sort of was a lot of big things were expected to him and he got his big move to West Ham and he sort of tailed off a little bit. But, you know, on, on paper, they do actually have a good side. And I think, contrary to us, they have a few experienced heads in there, really, which might sort of, you know, help see them through. Knight Percival is one of them as well mm, Another exactly. and
1: he, mm. he seems to be doing fairly well this season I mean I picked out the danger men obviously Stockton I've mentioned there because he's getting mm. the goals I mean Carlos Mendes Gomez he he seems to be involved in everything for them this season as well he's mm. been a brilliant signing for them and Sam Lavelle at the back he, he you know he's a young lad and a lot's thought of him and I'll be honest he's one of those ones that look and you know seasons to come I wouldn't mind seeing him in Brunton Park the way he plays mm. he's, a, he's a good mm. player indeed um Okay, I think we sort of covered more a bit there. So let's move on to uh, Grimsby. I mean, their season's been an absolute shambles, hasn't it, when you look mm. at it, the way things have gone. We, we heard Alex there before talking about it. I mean, pre-season, we, we sort of almost just looked at the name, really, actually. It's, it's a bit bad of us, really. We sort of, Ian Holloway, you know, they've not got the best squad, but they've got a good manager in Holloway. They'll keep them up. But, mm. you know, he's he's basically a rent a isn't he, these days? And he, he's mm. gone in there with all his uh, little... Um, Sayings and stuff like that but the way he's handled things there has been not great is it really and they've had to change the manager to Paul Hurst they've gone back to an old favourite the one I think you've got him out of the conference and yeah it doesn't seem to have had quite the effect yet does it?
0: No and you know they can't say that they haven't sort of uh, the managers haven't been backed with the amount of players that they've had you know 30 odd or However many Thirty-six, is, I, I think,
1: is in the squad currently. But, but 36. I think, as, as Alex mentioned, who wants to go to a squad that's struggling down at the bottom? That's the problem. You can it's no, exactly. tough to attract players. you can attract players, but the quality is not going to be that great, is it?
0: Especially when they're chucking in this COVID clause as well. I think a lot of players are just saying no, thanks, you know. And but you know, I mean, we, we all talked at the start of the season who we think will go down, and none of us said Grimsby, did we? You know that. No. Uh, and they're, they're there, rock bottom, but. They're by no means dead and buried. I mean, a lot of the seasons, you know, at this point, there's a team that's absolutely dead and buried, and you know, this, they're, they're still sort of within touch and distance of the rest of the pack. But yeah, it's it's just not a good season for them, and there's no there's no better time for us to play them.
1: Uh, there was no better time for us to play Colchester, Mike. Let's, let's be fair here. <laughs> I mean, their runs really, and Oldham. exactly. I mean, their runs nearly as bad as Colchester's. I think they've won yeah. one of the last twelve. I mean, that's that's that relegation for basis. That's mm. that's similar to what we had under Simpson in that mm. first half of that season, wasn't it? We went down to the conference mm. and things have got to improve quickly. For me. I tried to pick out danger men for them. I mean, I put Giles Coke in there because we all remember him back at Sheffield Wednesday. They signed mm. him in January, and he's. You look at him, and you think that's the kind of experience head they need in there to try and get them out of trouble. But I also picked that Jay uh, Matete, who's on loan mm. from Fleetwood, because Alex mentioned him his bit, but. Lennon John Lewis if you want to pick me. Then I thought I thought, I'm putting in a play here they've got on loan from Hereford. <laughs> <laughs> I mean this is this is going back to like remember the early noughties when we signed Stephen Skinner on loan from Gretna. I think mm. under and uh, I think I it was either under Ian Atkins or Roddy Collins, I Cambridge which one, but I mean that's the kind of level player you're signing on loan. Mm. I, I I couldn't understand why they've done it because he's a legendary player there, isn't he? And he's a real big fan's favourite and they know what what to expect from him. He's just gonna work hard for them up front and maybe that's what they need. But if that's the quality of play you're bringing in, then it doesn't really bode well, does it?
0: Well, they're a bit of a, an old folks home of the division as well, haven't they? I think uh, Ben Davis is like 39 now, and they've got uh, Philip Morais, who's, I think, 35. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> like the complete and utter opposite of us, really, with regards to that. But, yeah, it's it's just... You could hear the sort of defeat in his voice, but we heard that with the, uh, the Oldham guy last week. So. Yeah,
1: that, that didn't go well, did it? So, so there you go. It, it's one of those games, I mean, we talk about the marketing with that, but surely this is one we've got to be targeting three points from. If, we've, oh, if we're deadly gotcha. serious about going up in any shape way, way, mm. way shape or form, if you don't get the full three points from this, I think you've got to start asking questions about whether you really are going to make the playoffs this season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In terms of team news, I don't think we've really got any for this one, have we? It's just as, as we as you were, Danny mm. Devine, hopefully closing in on a return soon. Obviously, Morgan Feeney and Jamie Armstrong out with broken foot and broken ankle, respectively. I think it was mentioned actually. Well, Josh Dixon actually had been out, but they hadn't sort of talked publicly about it. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. Zanzana, interestingly, wasn't on the bench, was he for the uh, Colchester game? I'm guessing that's just he wanted to mix it up and put an extra defender on there.
0: Rather I than, hope uh, he makes a swift recovery.
1: Well, you know, was that, you know, was that I know. convincing? Well, this is the thing, I mean I mean Beach said that Alessandro was left out partly because he's not quite recovered since the whole COVID thing. Because mm. he he basically said he's had it, didn't he, essentially. Mm. Well, why are you taking him then all the way down to Colchester? Not using him, but not taking down Zanzali, you new January signing, who I presume mm. hasn't had it. I mean, mm. has he lost faith in him already, maybe? Mm. Does he feel maybe Alessandro could have affected the game in a different way, but didn't feel it was right to bring him on when he could have done? Obviously, mm. Kedwin Scott came on and made his debut, which is nice to see. But, I mean, he wasn't really involved in the game, was he, to be honest, at that point? Because we were still knocking mm. it along and not picking up the pieces. It's, it's a weird one. I mean, would you make any changes for this game? For the uh, I
0: the I, I, I think, well, I mean, for the Morecambe game, I think you have to. I, th- I think Coyote... If anything, he's a little bit knackered. And I think just Alessandra for him, uh, obviously a lot depends on assessing the player's fitness levels. And obviously we don't get to see a lot of that, but midfield, there's not a lot of scope to be changing it. it's if...
1: quite a tight pitch, isn't it, as well? Mm,
0: yeah, but if, if Guy's out injured, then Furman naturally comes in and there's no other sort of gaping changes that you'd make in midfield. And... Unfortunately, while we touched on Hayden and Bennett, the centre backs kind of pick themselves based on what we have available at the minute as well. So there isn't a ton that you can do with changes, really. Uh,
1: personally, I, I would consider maybe changing one of the centre backs. Mm. Uh, people might think I'm going mad here, but I generally think the pair of them are just struggling a bit at the moment. I do wonder if maybe it's a lack of protection mid for midfield. So maybe Thurman just needs his runner games in there to, to transfer, you know get himself into a rhythm, mm. maybe. Um, it's a tough one it, it is really mm. tough because I, I think changes need to be made but then I look at the bench and well I think we've got players who can come on maybe affect games as they go along have we got players to come in there and start at the moment I'm, mm. I'm, not, I'm not not too sure because defensively the only other change you could maybe do would be to bring in Armour but mm. would you drop Anderton based on his last four games probably not no. would you drop George Tannen no because I think he's really effective mm. going forward he's a good player it's a tough one. It, something's got to change because we're conceding mm. really sloppy goals and mm. you know you can't you can't keep saying oh you know they they did so well in the first half of the season well they're not doing it now that's that's the problem. Mm. They are good players that no doubt about that but if they're not performing what, what do you do?
0: Mm. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I, I mean the centre half issue you know Cole Stockton well well he was pretty much useless seemingly for Morecambe he's quite a good target man that they yeah. play off. You know, and he's he's a big lad and you know, whoever is man marking him needs to absolutely be on it. I mean I've seen Hayden and Bennett struggle against some of them kinds yeah. of strikers this season and hopefully this isn't one of them games for us.
1: No, definitely not. Okay, let's uh talk about predictions then, Mike. Um you go first.
0: Well do you know what? I've I've followed Carlisle long enough now to know that if we've just lost against one of the teams against two of the teams struggling near the bottom of the table and we're now playing a team near the top of the table, then we're probably gonna win because that's just kind of what we do. So I'm gonna be optimistic and I'm gonna say two one Carlisle and I'm gonna say Mellish and Dickinson on the score sheet.
1: So that's the Morecambe game.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know what?
1: <laughs> I've been I've been thinking about this really long and hard and I'm gonna predict a defeat. There you go. I'm going for a defeat because I'm hoping it's reverse psychology and actually they go out and win the game. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 defeat uh, and I reckon our goal will be a goal from Bellish. I think you've got a little run again now, but I think we're going to lose 2-1. But then we come on to the Grimsby game. You want to pick yours Mm. then,
0: Mike? Um, Yeah, so the Grimsby game... I reckon we're gonna come back and it's gonna be resounding and the boys are back in town and all the rest of it and I reckon we'll win 3 0 and I'm gonna say uh Coyote will get one, Alessandra will get one and uh Joe Riley will get one as well.
1: Okay. Well I'm gonna agree on that one. I'm gonna go for I think they'll get the rollicking of the lies after the Morecambe game told, you know, do you wanna actually do something this season? This is this is my imaginary situation after <laughs> we've lost 2-1 to Morecambe. And I think we'll win 4-0 against Grimm 2. I think we'll come out and just absolutely batter them and blow them away. And I'm going to yeah. go for goals from uh, Toure, Dickinson, um, Mellish and uh, Alessandra. Yeah. So there you go. So i predicted a defeat for the first time this season. Mm. I mean, to be fair, it's Mark Lawrence esque if we don't at least predict uh, defeat at some point, isn't it? Because mm. it wasn't. It someone point out. Cause, you know, he does those um, predictions every week on the BBC football website, yeah. doesn't he? If he would predicted that, I think he, I think it was something stupid like I can't remember. What it was three or four hundred games before he predicted a Liverpool defeat mm. in a game. And if he had done, Liverpool would have won the title in the last seven seasons running, or something like that. Yeah, it was astonishing the way he <laughs> yeah. predictions each week. So yeah. there you go. So, yeah. Although,
0: I, actually, one thing that has suddenly just sprung to mind was. Remember when we played Morecambe Way a couple of years ago? Yeah. And Jay, Jay, I think Jay, did Jamie Davitt scored two very similar goals that I think stemmed he off. He scored once. Oh, okay. did he? Or, or yeah. I think he scored the same goal two years on the bounce or yeah. something. Um, but they stemmed off long throws. And yeah. I, I don't know if Morecambe's ground is preferable for the run up for a long throw, even though I've said Alessandra should play instead sort of Coyote but ignore that um, <laughs> yeah. but uh potentially, oh, so can take a long throw well he, he can yeah but you know potentially I think it could be one of them games where it comes down to like a set piece or, or something like that to yeah. sort of break the deadlock yeah
1: okay then let's move on then to the X-Files Mike so let's look at what X-United players and coaches have been getting up to uh, around the world uh, one we missed out actually uh, in recent weeks um, goals wise Joe Garner Scored a hat-trick in Cyprus for Apoel Nicosia. Seems to be settling quite well there, doesn't he? seems to be enjoying Mm -hmm. himself even though Mick McCarthy's left. Uh, Nadison scored scored two goals for Crawley in the last week. Um, One of those was actually against Morkham, funny enough. Um, Jerry Yates scored twice for Blackpool. Brad Potts scored for Preston. Um, Andy Cook for Bradford. Sean Miller, um, he's on a little bit of a run for Bolton now, isn't he? That's his second goal Mm -hmm. for them. Uh, This was a nice one. Mark Beck scored for Harrogate, his first goal in the Football League for six years. Fantastic. Really, really Mm -hmm. nice to see Mark getting a goal there. Um, uh, Naki Wells scoring again for Bristol He seems to be finding a bit of form now. Nigel Pearson's taken over Mm -hmm. there. Cole Stockton, as we mentioned before, he scored again for Morecambe. Reese James for Doncaster. And, oh, do you have to say it? Mm. Charlie Wyke. He scored for some... He's now scored 24 goals in 37 appearances this season in all competitions. It's, it's incredible. Really, really incredible run of form there. And the last little bit of X-Files stuff, obviously, is the, um, the Scottish League Cup. So, James Brown and Michael O'Halloran, um, ex-United Loneys uh, were unused subs for St Johnston as they won the Scottish League Cup and uh, Gavin Riley actually came off the bench for Livingston in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems to be doing fairly well for himself up there. Gavin seems to be enjoying it. So, good luck to him. And that's all the X-Files this week. So, Mike, let's go back to the uh, quiz question. Can you remember what it was?
0: Uh, yes, and the wording of it seems to insinuate that it's not Football League.
1: No, no. It, 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 competitive first-team fixtures, so exactly. League or Cup games. That includes the the, the season in the conference as well. Yeah, So exactly. there's there's 13 players you need to name. You're probably going to struggle maybe with a couple of the early ones. But uh, knock yourself out. Go on, Mike. Have a, have a crack. See how what? many you can get.
0: Well, Brian Wake, obviously.
1: Yep, Brian Wake scored Uh, two hat-tricks for us against Boston United and Shrewsbury Town.
0: Yep, I think, did Magno Vieira get one for us in the conference?
1: He did, he scored one for Aldershot.
0: Yeah. Against Aldershot, Um, sorry. Yeah, Carl Hawley, definitely.
1: He scored three for us. One against Farmer in a 7-0 win, and then the ones against Stockport and Torquay in their football
0: league. Uh, Charlie Wake.
1: Yep, he scored two for us. One against Welling in the FA Cup and one against Mansfield Town. Uh, Danny Graham. Danny Graham did indeed get one this one I nearly missed but Danny Graham scored one against Yeovil in yeah. the season after we lost in the playoffs
0: and that game was the game that Gary Medine scored his first league goal for the club as well yeah uh, and um, oh who else I had one on my uh, did Rory Loy score one
1: no he in didn't the FA Cup so oh got, okay got that one wrong there you've just mentioned one of them
0: uh Gary Medine, of course. Gary Medine <laughs> <he laughs> scored
1: against against Hartlepool famously the day after uh, date well, or same day as a court case. Yeah, the, <laughs> that's, uh, that's on brand for Gary, and also against Tipton in the FA Cup.
0: The, the shine of that hat trick at Hartlepool was taken off by Lubo Mikulik's goal that's from, great, yeah. The, yeah, the one that um, I nearly
1: missed when I was sat in the press box. That one, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so you've so far you've got. How I many count these up: one, two, three, four. Five, six. You've got six of the 13 so far.
0: Uh, David Reeves.
1: David Reeves did indeed. He only scored one hat-trick for us, actually, funnily enough. Mm. That was against Burnley, the all two windscreen shield. That game was played on a Saturday afternoon. Because I think a game was called off. Well, one of our games was called off because of the FA Cup. So they moved that game to a Saturday afternoon. We won 5-0, I think, that one. Um And... Uh...
0: To be honest, I think the rest I'm absolutely stumped, and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to step in. Well, I think.
1: you've you've missed one from last season.
0: From last season, uh, one of the last uh,
1: games we played last season. Um, oh, one was an no. absolute blinder from distance. Of oh, of
0: course, Nathan Thomas. Yeah,
1: Nathan Thomas indeed against Forest Green Rovers. Oh. Um, so your remaining ones. I mean, God, you've missed a really obvious one from <laughs> from the third division title season. Uh, go on Michael Bridges he scored a hat-trick against Boston United oh, although Boston yeah, the, yeah we both of us would dispute that because one of those blatantly was scored yeah. by someone else but it's, it still stands mm. as a Bridges hat-trick um, there's one round about the same time as Charlie White scored a hat-trick someone else scored oh one?
0: of course
1: A be scored one against Cambridge United in that brilliant start to the season mm. so we're now missing I think just three more so um, one of them well t- one of them you definitely will struggle to get it's way before your time another one is mine and Dan's hero uh,
0: Stephen Halliday
1: no Ian Stevens. <laughs> No, Steve- Ian Stevens scored three hat-tricks for us one in his first spell against Bristol yeah. Rovers then one in the FA Cup against Woking and one against Leighton Orient Um, and also in the conference season another player scored a hat-trick
0: um, see right so Was Andy Priest?
1: Yes, Andy Priest scored a hat-trick against Runcorn FC Halton in the Conference Cup where he won (laughs) 5-2. And finally, the last one that you're probably going to struggle to get, I'll tell you anyways, it was Paul Conway scored a hat-trick against Hull City in the auto-windscreen shield, which kind of nicely links to last night's game because that game was also played in really thick fog where you could barely see the ball. So so Mm. there you go. So that's your 13. So I'll read them out for everyone. It's David Reeves, Paul Conway, Ian Stevens, Brian Wake... Magno Silva, Riera, Andy Priest, Carl Hawley, Michael Bridges, Danny Graham, Gary Medine, Jabbar Rabere, Charlie Wake and Nathan Thomas. Funny enough, before David Reeves's hat trick, I think there was a gap of something like seven years between hat-tricks. I think Paul Gorman was the last one to get one in the late eighties before that. Mm. So there's a huge gap. And uh, I think in terms of league hat tricks, actually, it's it's nearly eight years between Paul Gorman's hat trick and Ian Stevens in against Bristol Rovers. Because mm-hmm. those two other hat-tricks, Conway and Reeves, were scored in the Open Queen Shield. Mm. So there you go. Just goes to show. So that's it, Mike, for this week. We'll, we'll be back with another quiz next week. I know some people do really enjoy them. And uh, I'll try and think of another one for everyone there. Um, and that's it. So, yeah, if you've got any comments or feedback, anything you'd like to share with us, please drop us an email at... Uh, brunterbugle at gmail.com or contact us on twitter at brunterbugle or find us on the be just and fear not facebook group um we're always on there having a crack and there's really good chat on there so i would recommend anyone join it if you're on facebook uh as usual if you know we, if you're listening to us the chances are you've already done this but if not subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app things like acast uh, spotify apple podcast google podcast all things like that iHeartRadio radio uh, they've all got it. If they haven't got it, let us know, and we'll try and get it onto that uh, podcast app. Um, World map, our listeners. I've had a look, and there's nowhere new on there, Mike. So nah. there you go. We're, we're still just on. We need some new countries. People yeah. get listening to us, and we'll have some new places. Um, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week, hopefully a bit more positive, and you know the, the playoff push will be back on with any luck. But there you go, Mike. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, as usual, up the blues.
0: Cheers. I'm so proud
2: of